Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, because I'm a fun guy, I wanted to explore with you an emerging industry that I think is absolutely fascinating. There's no doubt that as an industry, both making physical products and shipping them to consumers, we have some challenges around packaging to solve. We've already had some sustainable packaging suppliers on the show, like Better Packaging Company and Heaps Good. But the sharp eye amongst you may have noticed that the logo for this podcast includes a mushroom mycelium block. Back when we were just starting up the podcast, I thought that mushroom packaging was one of the coolest and most interesting material development concepts in the sustainable e-commerce space, and I still do. And so for that reason, in our last interview for 2022, I wanted to take us back and explore this space a little further. So my guest today is Amanda Morgan, co-founder and CEO of Fungi Solutions. Their mission is to divert material from landfill and repurpose it in the production of alternatives to single-use plastics. In this interview, we learn just how important fungi can be, both in the reduction of trash as well as fighting climate change, and of course, how you can incorporate mushroom packaging into your supply chain. So with that, let's start the show. Amanda Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. To have someone on the show who is leading the charge in the mushroom packaging space, I think is awesome. So we have so much to dive into, Amanda. I'm so geeky, geekily excited. I'm like a kid in a candy shop with, about this at this point. So, But let's take a step back. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Amanda Morgan? Who are you? What, why did you end up getting involved with mushroom packaging? And what is mushroom packaging? How does it work? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am one of the co-founders of Fungi Solutions. I'm currently the CEO and the head of research and development for our little fungi startup um, that is rapidly growing. We are an organization that has made it our mission to divert resources from landfill um, and produce sustainable alternatives to single-use plastics uh, using fungi. So I am really all about the uh, the waste opportunity there. I think it's a really exciting, you know, way to use existing resources that we've already spent a lot of time, energy and effort to produce. Um, so it would be a real shame to see those go into landfill. So I began working with fungi because of their amazing potential. Very, very cool. Okay. So sort of break that down a bit for us. So, well, first of all, how, how can you make things out of fungi? I mean, that that's the first mind boggling thing to get around, I think. How, how does it even work? Yeah. So this whole process comes back to their incredible root networks, which is called their mycelium. So out in the environment, fungi are spreading out, growing their root network through an ecosystem. They're looking for resources. They break those down into kind of simpler, more digestible components um, with this root network. And uh, they, they're able to connect up their ecosystems as well. So there's a lot of partnerships happening uh, naturally in mycelium networks. So we are basically harnessing that ability to expand through an environment 
and bond together those resources and break things down. Um, and we're using that natural process to allow us to take things like organic waste, typically things that are not ideal for compost and would need to go to landfill or be burnt on site to dispose of. We take those resources, we grow that mycelium network through this material, um, and through that process, you actually get a, a bonded block. Okay, so what sort of things are we talking about feeding this mycelium network? What sort of things can you actually remove from landfill that would otherwise just be sitting there doing whatever it's doing? Yeah, um, agricultural waste is a is a um, a primary one, like a an obvious choice. There's lots of really fibrous woody, stalky material, things like shells and hulls and all that really fibrous stuff. Then there's some really unique and unexpected waste sources that they can take advantage of. So things like textiles, rubbers, some forms of microplastics that have a, a natural material base. They can they can utilize those. So fungi aren't really um fussy eaters per se wow okay so we're talking sort of like the non-petroleum industry plastics rub you know like natural tree rubber uh those sorts of things i, I guess are we yeah yeah so you're looking for things that are sort of have a carbon um sort of base um the closer you get to a woody material the more nutritious it is for your fungi um so when you're feeding them more challenging materials you need to sort of work with them on that as well so you've fed it some material you fed it some i know nut husks or salt or something you know in bulk but how does that turn into something useful into packaging or like what's the next step how, do, how does that work so that mycelium that we introduced is going to expand through that substrate um it'll basically grow to the extent of its food so if you pack its food into a molded form it's going to grow grow to that shape so it, the process takes about seven days. Um, so it's quite a rapid process uh, in general, um, which you're then able to simply demold the the composite. So it's part mycelium, part digested substrate. You're able to demold that and it'll actually hold together because of the roots interlocking, creating this really beautiful airy mesh or like a foam almost inside this material. Um, so it'll it'll hold its form and will lend some really interesting properties to the material. So um, mycelium products are renowned for being really lightweight, super durable. They're great with like compression. Um, you know, they're very insulating, um, showing some good acoustic and thermal properties and uh, fire retardant. Um, up to about 300 degrees as well. Wow, really? Yeah, really, really fascinating um, properties that simply by introducing this organism, you're able to completely change the properties of the weight material. Yeah, I, I remember sort of playing with some at the show uh, a couple of weeks back, and it really does feel, for anyone that hasn't sort of got hands on this stuff, it really does feel a lot like a polystyrene mold if you you know imagine you get electronics out of something and it's made in one of those conventional kind of blown polystyrene things that solidified it feels like that it's quite quite firm slightly spongy quite firm but very lightweight very strong it feels very strong so it does obviously make an amazing packaging material yeah 
ideal for any application where you really want that molded foam material where you might be using polystyrene, but it's a really awful, awful material for yeah. the planet. Um, so like looking at ways to like phase out its application. Um, but a lot of people, as you say, are really surprised by the beautiful, soft, like natural texture of mycelium, um, particularly if you're cultivating like a, that soft sort of root network hide on the surface. I heard someone describe it as like lamb's ear, that, that plant, that's got that beautiful, soft, velvety, sort of feel to it which yeah. i think is really nice and an apt way to describe it so you've grown it in essentially a, the mold that you want the casing to take you know for seven days what happens after that like i mean obviously you demold it but i mean does it not keep growing or does it keep growing or what what happens after that you simply heat treat the material and that renders it inert non-living right. um it'll pretty much stay in that state for a fair while but yeah. fairly indefinitely if it's kept dry um, and then once you introduce moisture, then it will start the decomposition process of it and it'll break down in um, 12 weeks in compost conditions. Right. So is that in home composting or is that in industrial facilities? Yeah, in, in home composting. Right. Wow. So, so you can, you know, you can ship something out knowing that the actual, that the bulk of what you would not, because one of the great annoying things about buying devices and having them shipped to you is that they come in an inordinate amount of this polystyrene which doesn't fit in your in, in your home bin you don't what you do with it and then you've got to take it to then you've got to take it to the tip so instead of that you you get it in in this amazing be- actually genuinely beautiful sub, sub substrate which which looks like a million bucks compared to a chunk of polystyrene and instead of having to fight to get it in your bin you bury it in your compost heap at home that's brilliant absolutely sensational it's fantastic because it reintroduces all those captured nutrients back into the soil you're going to get a bit of aeration um in into your soil mix um going to add some of those nutrients back feed feed the little ecosystem in there and improve water retention as well so when we talk about like natural regenerative materials sort of this movement happening at the mm. moment in, in the design space. Um, there's this idea of like layered benefits at every step in the process. It's adding value back into the system. So it takes about seven days to to grow the molds. And so obviously that's quite quick, but it's also quite slow compared to, you know, essentially injection molding and blowing foam and all those all those other things. So if someone was thinking about working with this as a material for packaging, and we'll get on some of its other applications in a minute and, and the impact that goes with it all, because that's all really cool. But if, if someone was planning on using this, like what does the what does the overall project process look like to, you know, from from going, I know I want to use mushroom packaging instead of polystyrene or whatever. What does that actually look like? What time frames do you need and how does the process work? Mm, that's a really good question. Um it's it's a very much an emerging industry. So we currently have a pilot facility in Thornbury, Melbourne. It's about 250 square metres um, and just a small team. Um, so we, to date, have sort of been producing um, our materials and doing prototyping and R&D and testing on these products for different industries pretty much by hand. Um, So it's still a very early stage industry, but that means that these materials at this time really lend themselves to 
luxury applications. Um, so we can we can really see this awesome long game for the high end impact where you remove a lot of polystyrene use and have this superior material in in the works. Mm. Um, we can definitely see, you know, that that exciting future for the organization. Um, but for now, we're doing fairly moderate short runs of about 250 units a month. We're using that to produce prototypes and, and design pieces across like a, a couple of industries. So particularly looking at things like Australian produce, culinary and hospitality applications, uh, where polystyrene is quite a significant um, player in, in just how that industry functions. Um, obviously, you have things like lifestyle and cosmetics that are also going through a lot of moulded um, foam-like materials. Um, and then <laughs> the, the industry scope just sort of explodes from there because it is such a malleable material and process and it, yeah. it can be applied to so many different applications which is really exciting but the the process um currently to get a, a new piece of mycelium product like manufactured looks like going through a con- consultation process it usually requires about three three to six months to start getting prototypes in development. You need the opportunity to do printing of the molds and like product development, all that good stuff. And then from there, once you're able to produce like a set of molds for that product, um, you're able to do monthly batches, basically. So you're getting um, a really good return on that molding cost by being able to turn it over every month. Yeah, so that's that's currently what the process looks like. There's a whole range of material outcomes that you can achieve. So you kind of have this um, currently this sort of bespoke in-house development sort of happening for each application. It might require things like waterproofing or um, acoustic treatments or, um, you know, different substrate mixes, for example. Okay, so... I mean, that kind of explains, you know, the packaging piece, I think, which is awesome. But you, you, you dropped a little nugget there around other uses and other things that this is, this is an amazing subject for. Can you give us some, like, blow our minds with some of the other things that it could be good for in the future? One industry that I thought was really uh, interesting that could benefit a lot from this sort of technology is something like um, audio engineering. So exactly the the, the realm you're in, um, we saw so many people have to suddenly convert their living spaces to acoustically sound environments yeah, to, right. to work in um, from home. So taking advantage of the incredible acoustic um, absorption um, and diffusion properties that mycelium can be. Um, encouraged into, um, I think is really interesting. There's a lot of uh, like a move to have uh, better natural materials in our living spaces, for example. Um, so when we look at properties like the fire retardants, makes a lot of sense for things like acoustic paneling um, and wall treatments, right. lighting um, and furniture as well. So there's there's a lot of scope there and it's really exciting to see that a lot of design practitioners are starting to work with mycelium and 
figure out how to mold it into these forms and extract additional properties beyond what the mycelium naturally does. So using design to sort of enhance it as well and solve some design challenges is really exciting. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I mean, it's it's a fascinating substrate, isn't it? If you can use it for those sorts of things. I'm guessing it has sort of similar properties to say cork or something like that, does it, from an acoustic point of view? Yeah, quite similar to cork. Yeah, interesting. And so, so I mean, cork is used in all sorts of things. Like, I mean, you know, like um, taking cork to the next level with cork leather and, you know, in garment manufacturing and, and all that sort of stuff. Do you see potential for mycelium in that space too? Yeah, there's there's already leather production happening around the world for for mycelium leathers um, and and hide. I did not know that. Um, yeah, there's there's some awesome stuff happening, um, and that really comes down to like how like incredibly strong and durable that mycelium network mm. is. How well it bonds things. It's it's really really awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of mind boggling actually thinking about that. I didn't I didn't realize that mycelium was being used to make uh, leather like products. Actually, I must admit. So um, so that's really really cool. But obviously, you're mostly focused on I guess the packaging application at this stage. Is it or are you is it you don't even know yet? It's so early on in the, in the piece that the world is your oyster. Well, the world's your mushroom, oyster mushroom. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, our primary focus is really around the waste management impact that can be created. Um, so we work in this um, sort of facility we've called a, a microcycling facility. So it's really about identifying promising waste streams, developing pro- like specific product applications from those waste streams that make make sense and create value back to where that waste is being generated. Um, And we also have quite a strong social enterprise aspect to our business. Um, So the the products are sort of like the 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 nice packaging um, around our, our mission for waste management and resource recovery yeah okay so so tell us a little bit about that then in, in the sense that obviously there's there's a big impact piece to this which we you know you've, you've sort of dropped nuggets in for but i'd love to know more about that like where do you see this going from an impact point of view so when we sort of speak to agricultural producers um particularly around where their real pain points are um Waste management and waste processing is a pretty significant challenge for them. Um, so, for example, um, we might be working with a winery. They um, have grape mark, which is left over from their wine production. So this is the fermented stems, skins, and seeds. Um, so usually some of that is composted, but if you compost too much of it, um, it can sort of change the pH of the soil. Um, so you, a significant portion of it um, usually has to go to landfill right. or has to be burnt. So either of those two options, as that material breaks down, that's going to release CO2, methane, if it's in landfill, which is quite a potent um, greenhouse gas. So we're looking at the best way to sequester those materials, but also provide um, value streams back to those agricultural producers. We know that the Australian produce industry has been under a, a lot of strain. So it's it's also about easing the, the burden associated with disposal costs and creating something that feeds back into their organisation. So we'd 
for example, take that grape mark, do cultivation testing, um, pair it up with a fungal species and develop a product for the wine industry. Um, so that might be something, for example, to ship their bottle sets in, um, that can then feed into their business model yeah. um, and retail. Um, and at ideally, like best case scenario, we're trying to get fully circular systems happening for these specific waste sources. Ideally, that, that material would then be composted back down into the vineyards and you'd be monitoring the soil health over the course of, of using that material. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the story components of that as well in the sense that and i can see on your site you've got some beautiful examples of presentation boxes i guess you'd call them for you know beautiful wine levels where they've essentially turned the wine mark as you described it there in back into packaging so there's a beautiful circular story there i think you know from that point of view isn't there which makes sense there is and i think the the added benefit there as well is you're not shipping all this waste around Mm. and all this packaging around it's just happening with the local waste floats and, and what's available in the area yeah okay so so that's interesting you, you mentioned that and obviously i mean we're talking about large volumes of material you know at, at that point so how would that work then would you would you need to establish a, 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 a micro did you call it a micro center a micro cycling facility micro cycling center or micro cycling facility would you have to establish local small-scale versions of that near the near the wine fields in order to make that work it's exactly the direction that we're looking to head really these sites can be set up anywhere that you have a bit of space. Um, so part of what we'd love to see in this industry is really removing some of the barriers to entry for people to like be participating in, a, in a, the microcycling industry. Yeah. A lot of training, uh, education that would be needed, but we sort of see it like you set up the right conditions and the mushrooms do the work. And so you mentioned obviously great mark there, but I'm intrigued on your site. You've got, um, in terms of your impact numbers, you've got 138,761 cigarette butts collected. So, okay. What's that about? Tell me like, how are you using those? What, how is that involved? Yeah. So that's one of our research and development programs. Um, it became clear to me that mush fungi might be able to digest the material that's in a cigarette butt, that material is called a cellulose acetate. So it's a regenerated cellulose fiber. And what that means is you take a natural material and you basically plasticize it. Um, so it has the properties of a microplastic, a, a cigarette filter, um, but it has natural building blocks, essentially. So fungi are able to tap into that as a food source. Um, and the hope was that if you could adapt them to this material over time, they have incredibly adaptive digestive systems. So they, um, you know, respond to their environment and um, get better at digesting challenging materials over time. The hope was that if you could train them on this resource, they might be able to also digest some of the toxic components um, within the cigarette butt and potentially provide a recycling stream. Currently, there's no real recycling streams available for this material. They pretty much do go to landfill in Australia. Mm. If they're not in landfill and they're unfortunately in the ecosystem, they pollute so much water. Like Each individual mm. cigarette butt 
Um, they cause, I guess, genetic problems throughout that entire food chain. Um, and it does come back to us through the food chain as well. So they're a really problematic pollutant. So we identified that as like a really interesting research project. We don't have any formal output product applications for it yet. We're just really seeing where it goes, but we've been training um, a species of oyster mushroom on cigarette butts for the last five years. Um, it survives exclusively on cigarette butts now. So um, all those cigarette butts have been collected through a partnership with No More Butts and just awesome people in the community, picking them up off the street, out of the drains and gutters, which I think is some of the best work ever because a single cigarette butt pollutes like 500 litres of water or something like that. It's just, wow, yeah. It's, it's not good. Um, and they're one of the most highly littered items in Australia. So Yeah, for sure. That's just been local local collection. Um, since then, we've had a couple of councils express interest and get on board and we're, we're slowly scaling up that program to sort of or process the, I think it's 7 billion cigarettes floating around Healy in Australia. Um, Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's quite well, a... That's a frightening number. I hadn't, I hadn't given that any, any thought, but my goodness, what a frightening number it is. I mean, you know, as a, as a non-smoker, I find it very frustrating seeing walking down the street and seeing cigarette butts lying around. I just think it's very irritating, but you know, yeah. the fact that you're doing, you'd be able to do something about that with fungi is, is, is remarkable. Yeah. We're hoping that at the very least we can sequester these materials away into something useful. Ideally, uh, we might be able to reclaim some of the materials from them, produce a clean material byproduct. Um, so we're just going through the, the process of toxicity testing and assessing each generation's efficacy amazing and not only are you able to genuinely reduce some problematic materials from landfill with this potentially but i've read that mushroom based packaging requires only 12 percent of the energy of plastic version version packaging and 90 percent less carbon emissions that's right and of course it's trapping the carbon as well forever and then putting it back into the soil as well so what a fantastic all-round material this is. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting opportunity. I think we've got a lot of potential really changed the way we make and produce things. Um, and it, it's quite um, competitively viable. Um, like it has a strong business case against plastics and polystyrenes. Yeah, I just think, it, I think it's absolutely fascinating. So, so you obviously... You're obviously quite early stage still. Uh, it sounds like you've been sort of doing some experimentation R&D for, what, five years or so? How long have you been sort of commercially operating and producing something that people can purchase? Oh, um, probably about a year for, for the business. We were founded in September 2020, so right. during lockdown, um, when a lot of packaging was flowing into everyone's homes. And yes. it was really stark to see see the volumes um there but i've been working with the sort of fungi materials for probably about the last five to seven years um so yeah i started out in fashion design growing mushrooms on textile waste well that it immediately puts into mind the you know the vast mountains of textile waste floating around africa that we just ship over there um but i mean that's a whole new conversation which, which we better not get into but i mean 
Well, congratulations for becoming, you know, getting to the commercial stage and, and actually having some, you know, product that you can start shipping. What does what does the next 18 months to two years look like for you guys? Um, lots of testing and certification on the materials for Australian standards across a, a range of different industries, um, really refining some of those um, material properties as well. Um, then we are looking at scaling up a facility um, to about a thousand square meter site. We're looking to process 40 tons of organic waste next year. So wow. that, that'll be a really nice jump in, in impact. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that, that's sort of on our radar. Um, and yeah, trying to, trying to get that sort of facility up and running so that we can sort of meet the the demand that's already there because everyone's yeah. very excited about mycelium materials which i can totally understand <laughs> yeah and i can too and from a commercial point of view what a wonderful place to be where there's more excitement and more interest and more demand for it than you can possibly fulfill at this stage i mean you know that that must give you a great deal of confidence uh you know to to build the business and with with everything you're doing uh which is which is really really cool and let's be honest i mean you know we, we talk about e-commerce on this show all the time right and it fundamentally it's it's impossible to remove packaging conceptually from the e-commerce supply chain like we need something we need a packaging solution so that our products get to the customer's hands safely right otherwise it's, it's wasted so so there has to be something and obviously there's lots of, you know, eco packaging sort of coming on the marketplace, but of all of the options right now, and it seems like this is the lead contender for something that could take away from polystyrene based packaging to me. Absolutely. Yeah. We actually, we, we just before we finish up, we did talk briefly um, at the show around mycelium based paper or, yeah. or equivalents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like tell us a little bit about that because I'd forgotten about that until now. Oh yes, for sure. Um, so that is a process we use to deal with any fruited mushrooms. So the actual, the ed, edible part um that yeah. might be that might come out of our production process we're ideally looking to produce the mycelium occasionally you get mushroom fruit which we either eat or donate to the community pantry or some of them we don't get too quick enough so you get these dried not quite fit for eating mushrooms um so we blend that down into like powder um and produce a pulp and with that pulp, you can do the same process as traditional paper making with like a decal and a frame and, and produce beautiful mushroom papers um, just from this sort of excess material. Um, you can use mycelium as well if, if you want to. And you're really wow. looking for any sort of fibrous material that you can suspend in water and then like lift up onto a mat. So that, that's how mushroom paper is made. Wow. And so where is the the development of that at this stage what does the what does the end product of mushroom paper look like i mean i'm kind of imagining something kind of grayish or beigeish in, in color can you can you make writing quality paper with it so far or is that still to come is it more like packaging wrap or something no no you can make any grade of paper you like so up, up really? to really wow. fine sort of delicate ends you've got mushrooms like enoki that are going to produce like a very sort of like velvety pulp They'll produce like a beautiful, thin, even paper. It's really, it's it's kind of like a, a bit of an artisanal thing that um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're 
doing at the moment. And it's really just because we have, you know, paper and cardboard coming into the facility and we don't want to send them for recycling. So that's, that's mm. one way that we can sort of just recycle them on site and, and use them in projects that we're working on. But you can really get a full range of colors, everything from like a stark white right through to like colors and dyed and, um, with, with stuff embedded in them it really opens up a whole new world of things that could be achieved with mycelium and, and with mushrooms doesn't it absolutely incredible so amanda where do people go if they're interested to find out more how can they get involved with you guys how can they how can they put an order in for some packaging where do they go <laughs> so if you head to our website fungisolutions.com.au there's links on there where you can either sign up to join our community network uh, list so you'll be able to get updates as we sort of expand and scale up and and keep keep up to date with the research and development projects um there's also an inquiry form on there so we're putting together an inquiry waitlist for 2023 at the moment so your inquiries can can head there um and we're we're doing our best to to get to everyone so um yeah, we really appreciate all the enthusiasm, love all the questions, love love the mushroom um, crowd. They're all really excited um, bunch of people. Um, so it's a beautiful community. So we'd love to have everyone c- come and join in the fungi enthusiasm um, yeah. in, in the network. I imagine you never thought when you're growing up that you would be able to say mushroom tamer as or mushroom trainer as 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 part of your <laughs> as as part of your job description but you know having cultured a, a group of oyster mushrooms to consume cigarette butts i definitely think you can claim that now ceo and chief mushroom tamer i love it thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us amanda it's been a lot of fun having you on the show today and uh, i can promise you that uh, i certainly will be watching uh, the evolution of, of fungi solutions very closely because i think it's very cool uh from, maybe from, slightly from a geeky point of view but also just from because it's an amazing opportunity to take out one of the nastiest elements of the e-commerce supply chain and and so i think it's fantastic mm-hmm. so thank you for bringing it to life thank you so much such a pleasure to have a chat today Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. I guess most of us think of fungi as the mushroom fruiting bodies we see growing on the side of dead tree trunks on a walk through the bush. But when it comes to mushroom packaging, it's the mycelium, the roots of the fungi that are the hero. And it turns out that many fibrous substances can form a great food source for fungi, not just rotting tree stumps, including anything from agricultural waste to textiles and even cigarette butts. When you cram some of that waste material into a mould and let the fungi have at it, in about a week you'll have a dense mycelium block that has very similar properties to polystyrene. It's tough, ultra-lightweight, slightly spongy, thermally resistant and very shock absorbent, making it pretty much ideal for keeping fragile materials safe in transit. Unlike polystyrene, in diverting waste materials from landfill, it's reducing greenhouse gases. It's 90% more carbon efficient to produce than polystyrene, and it uses only 12% of the energy. And if that wasn't enough, instead of landfill, you can either reuse or compost your mushroom packaging, sequestering that carbon and all the nutrients back into the soil. I'm completely sold on the idea of regenerative packaging. 
And with mycocycling, nothing goes to waste. Even the mushroom fruiting bodies that we all know and love can be dropped straight into the human food chain or even be pulped and used to make artisanal paper stock, which is something I certainly hadn't heard of before this show. So back when I started this show, I thought mushroom packaging was cool. But after talking to Amanda, I think it might be one of the most exciting opportunities for removing single-use plastics. And I think we'll start to see a lot more mushroom packaging making its way into the e-commerce supply chain over the next few years. So I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Amanda as much as I did. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet. <laughs>